Welcome to the Intriguing Beings podcast, Season 3, Episode 6, with Hannah Whiteley. Hi everyone, I hope you're doing well. So, Hannah Whiteley will be no stranger to many of you. She's probably one of the most famous kiteboarders on the planet. She's got a huge following on social media and also YouTube as well. She's been kite surfing for a really long time. I remember competing with Hannah back in the day on the BKSA tour and her family would ball out of this massive bus um, and they went to most of the events that I was going to as well. She's a really lovely lady. I'm glad to consider calling her a friend and she's got quite an interesting story and we talk a little bit about where she came from and those early roots with kiteboarding and how that progressed into being a pro rider but also a lot about how women are perceived in kiteboarding in terms of what they wear, what they're expected to look like, and how social media affects all that. So there's lots of great information in this one. It's well worth a listen. Anyway, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Give these a five-star rating wherever you can. And let's get straight into this episode. I am sat here again, once again in Mexico, at the Cabrina Dealer Meeting 03, Vive Mass, I think they're calling it, which is great fun, and they've got a heap of people here, and one of the people I've been keen to speak with for some time, and we actually had a really nice, very long, almost two-hour conversation on the way back from a restaurant in Qatar that we said, should have podcasted that, it would have been quite interesting, um, is Hannah Whiteley, who I've known... For a long time now, I think she started kiting years and years and years ago and she used to come and do the kite events back when we were doing them and I remember she would always turn up with the entourage of the Whiteley family in the Whiteley bus. So I finally managed to pin her down and sit down and have a chat with her. So Hannah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rue. Yeah, it's great. Let's have another good chat. <laughs> Let's see if we can remember what we were talking Try about. Try not to make it two hours long this time. Yeah, <laughs> well, at least we're not in a rubbish car going somewhere. <laughs> on a bumpy road in the middle of the desert in the night. So, first question to you. Obviously, way back in the early days, I remember you driving around in the big Whiteley fun bus with your whole, literally your whole family in it. How did you get started into the water sports Arena. Yeah, definitely. This is a trip down memory lane now. We definitely did turn up in this kind of TARDIS of a van where like all six of us would pop out of here, there and everywhere. <laughs> like, but um, yeah, it all started. Uh, well, I mean, I started, my dad was um, the first guy in the northwest of England to start kiting back in 98. Yeah, and, so right uh, at the birth of the sport, really. Yeah, one of the so he was... He was out windsurfing and he saw the first kite demo and he was like, he almost didn't want to look at it because he knew he wanted to do it. And then that was it. Like he was ignoring the kite the whole time and this, <laughs> and then he straight after his session, he's like, I bought a kite and that was it. He was, he was out trying to learn. And, and when I was 10, he introduced kite surfing to me. I mean, in true Whiteley style, it didn't go very well. Like my dad was not really the most safety conscious person. Uh, <laughs> had a few pretty gnarly accidents, and I was like, you know what, Dad? I think kind surfing is just not for me. And he he was like, no worries, Hannah. Like no problem. Didn't touch a kite for five years. Oh really? <clears throat> yeah. So at fifteen, I was. It was like literally one of those freak days we have in the UK where it's super hot and windy. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen often. Uh, yeah. So I was like. And my dad was like, hey, Han, you want to give kite surfing another, another shot? And I was there, like, so hot on the beach. I was like, you know what? Let's, let, I'm keen. I just wanted to get in the water. <laughs> so tried it again, and then I quickly realized, like, ah, hmm, maybe this is actually pretty cool. I, I like this, yeah. So, and then things just happened super fast. Like, I basically just learned to ride, and then, um, and before I knew it, like, I was doing a little pop jump and I was, that was it I was in my first comp a bit like oh I just kind of I was like what's happening like <laughs> I don't know like, there was a good event scene back then wasn't there so there was quite a lot of events happening in the UK yeah it was and it's definitely like oh back when I the first comp I, the first comps I did were incredible like it was such a vibe like the UK tour then it was really like a, a, a movement that was good and I think everybody and the, the, we were going to some fantastic locations. We had loads of tour stops, and everyone was just like on it to have a good time and just to, you know, to rock in the comp and in, enjoy off the water. So it was, it was, it was super special. I think. Had your dad done competitions before that, or was he not really into the competition scene? Well, he used to compete a lot in the windsurfing, so I think that's where he got his kind of competitive side for. 
And then, yeah, in the Kite Inn, we both did our first comps together, which was pretty nice as well. And in, um, this was in 2007 when we yeah. were doing our first Kite Comps. And in Aberdeen in Scotland, we both won in our category. So dad won in the senior category, like the over 35s, which now I'm realizing is very young. Like, yeah. As I'm getting older, I'm like, how is that the seniors? Like, <laughs> that's actually a bit scary. And then uh, at the time I was in the amateur ladies and I won that event too. So it felt super special. Just like, I don't know, my dad's always been there since the very beginning of carrying, I'm carrying because of him, and then we both had that same feeling of like on the podium. Yeah, and it was just like super, like it was really special. Yeah, that's so, awesome. It was our first event. We both didn't win either. Like I, well, I was also terrible in the beginning. I didn't even know when my heat was on, <laughs> or didn't get the flag system, which is pretty basic. I was like, oh, what? That that I'm on now. Like <laughs> Ian from Xpix, he was just like yelling at me, like Hannah, do something. Your heat's been on for five minutes. I'm like, oh crap, like, <laughs> and then. So yeah, like there, but that actually is what motivated me so much. Like actually not having a clue what I was doing in my first event, and like just just feeling like a complete fool. I was thinking Lewis, I think was maybe doing. I think he was already maybe doing a little bit of commentating or somebody else then a little bit. And I was just wondering, like, what the hell must they be saying about me in my heat? I'm just like off with the fairies here, like not <laughs> out the back somewhere cruising yeah. around. So then, but then after that comp, I was like oh I'm motivated now like uh, I, I want to learn some tricks I went out not long after that event and then I learned seven tricks in one session which is hands down my all time record of wow. tricks in one session I think that is I cannot do that again <laughs> <laughs> what tricks were those back it, roll front roll yeah it was like it was it was like uh, like for example like back roll back roll to back roll to toe side and then like a pop to blind like a grab like a one four I don't know I was just on this mega roll like it was, it was insane that's really good and did anyone else in your family because you you know six of you fell out of this bus that wasn't very big I remember it I mean it was quite big but it wasn't when I say bus it's a van basically yeah. isn't it it was literally like a van six of you bowled out does anyone else in your family kite yeah well my brother so I've got two brothers and one sister and one of my brothers he started back when I did but he never really stuck at it so he kind of carried for a while like he still kites now occasionally maybe like once a year or something and my sister she can kite as well but she hasn't been out for a few years so it's mainly me and my dad well actually if anything now though I'm pretty sure my dad actually kites more than me it's insane I remember you telling me he's got really into foiling isn't like he? you have no idea like <laughs> when he's into foil like I don't think there's anybody more keen on foiling than him like he's, <laughs> he's in the winter the winter time in the UK and he's like here with this dry suit on and he's just like I never know like he's just out all the time but he's doing like freestyle tricks on his foil he's doing like kite loop back loops and stuff and he's He's loving it. He's just constantly sending me like YouTube videos and reels of like inspirational stuff on foil. But I think, and that's the reason why I've actually got into kind of kite foiling because I was never that bothered about it. But just, I wanted to share that like stoking energy with my dad. Like he is just, and he's honestly getting younger every day and it's because of this foiling. He's just like so stoked on it. Like That's awesome that yeah. he's still that pumped on kite. Yeah. And I mean, like he's sort of kiting since 98 so yeah. and he's just only getting more motivation more motivated i would it's say like 25 years and he's still like grommin out on it just yeah. as much as he was at the beginning <laughs> do you get to kite with him much these days because you travel a lot when i'm in the uk like for sure i'm always kiting with him and he's he is my favorite person to kite with in the world it's always special and yeah he'll be always like trying to get me he pushes me like he always like do this da, 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 da. like it's uh it's good and we always have a good laugh together but um yeah, because I'm here, there, and everywhere these days, and I'm not always sharing those sessions. Yeah. But that's what I think it makes it special when I'm home and I we are kiting together. It's just nice, yeah. So when you were 15 and you sort of started getting into competitions, you know, at what stage did you think this is something that I could actually make into a, a career, essentially, and something that I could be like a professional kiteboarder? Did that happen early on or was it, you know, later on? Was it a sort of gradual process or was it a sudden thing that was always just on your mind? It, it was a pretty sudden thing, to be honest. And I hadn't even, like, I never thought about being a professional kite surfer. That thought hadn't even entered into my mind. I was just kind of kiting because, um, well, at first I didn't want to do it at all. <laughs> and then, <laughs> realize ah i may have made a mistake this is actually pretty cool and i was just in, enjoying doing it and then um it happened pretty quick because i thought at this time i was still pretty bad i was just doing basic jump 
and um, yeah, most of the time wiping out. And then my local kite shop um, was called Hang Time Kites. They yeah. they, they um, you know came over to me and was like, "Hey, Hannah, like we think you've got some great potential, and we, you know we want to sponsor you." And I was like. Yeah, they want to sponsor me like what, what the hell am I doing like I don't know. so I think um, and that's how actually I ended up doing the comps because they're like we want to sponsor you to do the comps so if because if it wasn't for hang time like I definitely wouldn't have got into the comps anything like as early as I did but yeah. um, because of this then I suddenly got motivated and and on it but I was honestly like I mean this was just very early days and it was um, just as you know sponsorship for the comps but uh I still didn't really like contemplate being ever a pro rider or I just got more and more like oh, I just realized I was falling in love with the sport and just couldn't get enough of it um, and then um, yeah basically it started to get like started to get approached by brands and kite brands and stuff and I was like my first kite sponsor was JN Kites. Yeah. So a little bit of a Are they more... still going? I think they I, might be. I don't, I don't think so. But maybe. Mm. I don't I don't think so, to be honest. But um, yeah, so then that was like, wow. Like it was also, I don't know, everything just happened super fast. And then after that, Wayman Hawaii, and I started doing better and better in the comps. And it was all just and at one point, because I was doing in a, I was working for my dad, doing an apprenticeship in painting and decorating. And I always had like, um, I really wanted to get into interior design. And so doing laboring work, doing building work for my dad. And then, because he builds houses, and yeah. then doing this, like my kind of, at one day a week at college, I was learning about painting and decorating. And I kind of always had this vision I would be doing more kind of, into properties down the line and just renovating them and that's what I I'm super like I just love to learn things and different skills and kind of put my creativity that way and then I started realizing I was like huh wait this actually like this kite surfing seems to be doing better for me than this uh, working for my dad and I was like dad I, <laughs> I, I'm sorry but I think it's uh, <laughs> I'm doing quite good in the kiting now like I can't actually work for you anymore and um, <laughs> he, he was super happy because he also like my dad is somebody that's uh, super down to earth and he drilled it into me from like day one that I'm never going to be able to make a career or live off kite surfing or anything like that so and I kind of just like yeah kind of uh, you know I think you know if my dad tells me something I'm really kind of um, you know like I really feel it you know and I think yeah. it's like you know it must be right kind of thing um, yeah. because so he's, like, he's told me that he's he's my world so obviously that's what's yeah. right and it's, I'm never going to be a famous kiter so yeah <laughs> and then it kind of I was like wait a minute actually I think you I can because right now I wasn't on the best wage with my dad uh, laboring <laughs> <laughs> so, <Family was>, like, <laughs> so yeah it was definitely uh, and I was always working overtime and stuff so I was like dad right it's dumb and how old were you in that sort of realisation yeah I'm trying to remember it was still quite long ago and it's not like I've definitely not got the best memory here but it was <laughs> um, yeah it happened I was I mean I was working for a few years for my dad so I guess it was like around um, for sure when I was like maybe like I don't know like 19 or something yeah so still um, quite young yeah so or maybe like 20 say yeah and then so it was all um, but yeah I mean and I really like having that kind of background of being a bit more hands on and learning different skills because I feel like I will always like will use that and I still yeah. want to like I, my game plan is I always want to keep kiting but I want to have something going on in the background so I'd love to kind of get some like a property or something that needs really a lot of love and work on it and just do it all myself be super hands on yeah. get down get cracking with it that's what I and you know like, like rent it out or something and always then be able to have keep kiting and that's yeah. what my that's really my good. ultimate kind of I guess game at, plan is I guess at the moment you're still doing real, really well being a professional kiter so it's like it's got to take a back seat while you're on this yeah and coaster. that's the thing because I mean I would love to kind of start a project like now but right now it's um, so busy with the kite stuff I just I really need to have more time for that yeah um, so I guess when things start going a bit slower in the kiting but I don't really I don't really plan to slow down anytime soon. I'm just like... <laughs> Still going. Yeah, so we'll see. But that's, um, yeah, long term, that's... Well, it's always good to have, have a it. backup plan, isn't it? If, mm -hmm. you know, if it all changed tomorrow, what yeah. would you end up doing? Yeah, and I think as well, yeah, definitely. And I think 
it's like we have we're here just once and I think you have the opportunity to learn so many different things and different skills and you don't have to limit yourself to just do one thing at any time you can change your career path and do whatever or have a different combination of things and yeah I definitely want to push myself to do more things and venture out so. yeah different 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 avenues yeah. to explore and did you you won the British championships mm-hmm. a couple of times didn't yeah, you yeah I was um three times British champion yeah um so yeah no that was super cool and it was I think what's great about the British tour is like or having any national tour is it really gives you good preparation to an experience for competing because it's one thing free riding and another it's a different ball game in the comps it's really a head head game so I think that helped me a lot having the the, the, to start off with the British tour and really kind of understand how, how it works there yeah. and competing. And then did you go on to do the, was it PKRA around that Yeah, time? yeah. So I did some PKRA events. Um, I remember like I definitely did one in 2009 because I remember they had like a big air thing going. I came fifth in the freestyle and then in the, they did like a big air kind of comp and I won that one. Um, so yeah, that was back in 2009 so and I did a few KPWTs like the the European kite tour um but yeah it was quite some time ago now yeah because nowadays like you don't you're not known for competing but that's probably because there's not much opportunity to compete in kind of big air riding as a woman which is what you're kind of keen on but then I suppose you have got the the big air kite league now have you done any of those events yeah like I did one event last um last year and that was really good in Cape Town and the thing is like now like I have like basically since 2007 I've been competing so and I almost feel like I don't really have anything to prove in the competitions now like I'm more driven now for like the content creation stuff and being creative in that way but now I kind of see competitions from a different perspective and like last year I did the um, the GKA like the big air in Tarifa and you know also did the event in the big air kite league in uh, uh not Brazil um, in Cape Town yeah and um and now I kind of if I compete I see it more as instead of being like before like okay I've got to be on that podium and got to deliver and I feel like a you know pressure to perform I kind of now have the mindset of it's me against me and I'm using this the the competition is a a way because for sure the big ass still scares me like there's some tricks I am like I am scared about and now I when I compete it's like I'm me kind of like pushing myself and like because when you compete you feel like you have no limitations and you just go and you do it and it like normally when you're in that mindset it always works as well so um i just use the comps to kind of push my own riding and just enjoy it because it that you know if you get too caught up in it you can the end of the day if you don't enjoy what you're doing like why why are you doing it so i just go to the comps to really just push my own riding now and yeah i enjoy that but not uh i'm not like training that much at all now it's always uh, like shooting related um yeah. so i feel like if i was to do like the full competition circuit then i would really want to get some proper training in yeah and do it. Cause a few people have gone back to it right so bruna's back you know competing mm-hmm. on the freestyle tour um i think moon is going to do a few of the wave events this yeah. year it feels like some people are sort of coming back to it so i always wonder with you know the growth of big air in the last three years where it's kind of gone massive and big air kite leagues come along and there's a bit more opportunity whether it be something that you go oh you know what i might actually go and go after that title or whether it's just like no i'm done my competing and i'm happy yeah well i definitely not i can't i can i think you can never say never about these things because (laughs) i mean (laughs) but i'm definitely not saying i'll never compete again but i think for sure if there's an event that excites me and i'm feeling motivated then for for sure i'll compete um but yeah it is like it's been a fantastic movement with all the big air and i think that's what makes kite surfing unique and exciting and what we can do with the nova sport that can do like we can go super high like send these big loops do all these multiple rotations and that looks impressive just doing a straight jump in you know when it's windy it looks great and i think with the the freestyle it's super technical and it's difficult but it's not like reaching the the general public and now we're because everyone is going back more to the big air days like we're able to reach like a you know just 
every Jim, Jack and Harry now knows about kite surfing, I feel like, and and that's, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty it's cool. So. It felt, felt like for a while, kiting was sort of a bit lost with its identity, and sort of pro riders almost like, oh, we've got to be more like wakeboarding, or we've got to be more like surfing, so it was going down this rabbit hole of literally like wakeboard moves with a kite, and you weren't allowed to send your kite, and it was really, you know, considered rubbish if you're using your kite to get height and stuff like that, but like, you hit on it there, Kiteboarding is so unique in that you can send your kite and go, you know, 100 foot up in the air if you want to. And it looked, like you say, it looks amazing from the beach. And it feels like it's almost gone full circle. It took us 20 years, but now we're 2023 and everyone's realizing that actually big air is what sets the sport apart from those other sports. And we don't need to be wakeboarding with a kite. We can just be doing our own thing and going really huge. Um, what's your favorite thing to do, like at the moment, kiting? You, liking the foiling more or is it still just a big windy day in Cape Town gets you excited to be honest I think what gets me excited is just having like diversity and if I've had a few strong days in Cape Town I'm, I'm I crave to have a bit lighter wind to you know to do some funky free ride stuff and go foiling and free I still love doing the freestyle as well um, but I'm, I'm really just doing that for myself now and I think yeah just like that's what just use like mother nature has gives us different conditions every day and i just like to be able to to use it and that's the thing if you're in a wake park it's the same every day and i think that's what makes kite surfing special and just to be able to use like, i don't know every day is a windy day now with these foils and now wings and all this so um just i think change yeah makes me motivated and excited yeah, and being able just to get out whatever yeah. the conditions are. Yeah. And, okay, mm -hmm. today's a freestyle day. I'll go yeah. and see if I can bust out the old tricks. I know, and it's <laughs> actually like sometimes I'm like, you, you don't actually forget that much because I haven't like I haven't had a freestyle session in what feels like the whole year, and then I go out and I'm like, oh, okay, still I've got still it. got this. Yeah, so it's, uh, but I think it's just. Um, yeah, if you could, like, it's a bit like riding a bike. I think it is. I think it is. I was in the Bahamas recently, and it was a twin tip trip, and I hadn't ridden a twin tip for ages, and let alone unhooked on a twin tip. And it was like I was watching Tom Bridge do all his moves, and it was very apparent that if I was going to go kite, it was going to be on a twin tip, and I'm going to be unhooking. And I went out, and I like, thought I'll just try Rayleigh as my first, like, first run back at the beach with everyone watching. It was like, oh, that went pretty well, and that was pretty respectable. Rayleigh, brilliant. I could still do it. I don't think I've done one for like ten years or something stupid. So it's funny how it sort of that muscle memory sticks with you. Um, sticking on the competition side a bit, this is something I've talked about a lot and you know crystal who works for us who's out in south africa and she did a bit of an article on it in the last issue um in 2005 there was a king of the air in maui and susie may was the queen of the air and they ran a female version of the competition we've had what 10 years of king of the air in cape town not one female competition for queen of the air has happened although they did let angeli in one year i think um, yeah. and, and you were in it one year as well weren't you you yeah. and Anthony were both in it yeah, but that, but was, we... that was it and it was kind of like well surely that's a bit lambs to the slaughter that you're up against the men why aren't they doing a specific women's queen of the air event do you think I know I'm, I'm asking the same question to be honest and now it's like they need to go with the times like geez yeah. like the girls are throwing down like massively not even like a little bit like it's, it's like it's going off um, so yeah, I'm not sure why there's not a girls category, but there most definitely should be. And I think it looks it looks bad on them. Like, why yeah. are they not maximizing like they, this? They like, did that year where they let you and Anjali in, and then it went yeah, backwards. Yeah, I know. We did this, like, expression session. Everyone was stoked that I had so many girls. We, we had so many girls coming up to us, and we're like, whoa, that was amazing. And, like, yeah, now I really want to start getting to big air. And I think that kind of triggered a few people to think like yeah i want to do the big air too and like now look man like there are so many girls like doing big air and absolutely kicking ass um yeah. so yeah and if the red bull king of the air doesn't see that then i think they're a bit silly to be honest like yeah. what are what are they doing like it's uh because big, air kite, big like, air kite league runs it right so yeah. it's almost like you're being outdone by a new tour that's run by some passionate kids who really love the sport yeah. and you're the biggest kiteboarding event in the world bar none arguably with all of the funding behind it and yet you're not putting anything on for the ladies and i, I feel it i think it's a bit of a disgrace disgrace to be honest That's exactly like, the word i had in my head <laughs> <laughs> and it's um yeah and it's but maybe they're just scared because the girls are pretty badass doing the big air so you know we might be a bit scary but yeah uh, <laughs> maybe maybe that's what yeah. it is well i'm hoping that next year 
it happens. Crystal wrote a really good article calling them out and I helped her out on it quite a bit because there were times when it was like, you've got to be a bit careful what you say and how you word it and stuff. But hopefully the guys at Red Bull are starting to take note because I think there'll be a massive audience for it. And I think they did that, that spin-off competition for the girls wasn't called Queen of the Air, it was called something else that Anthony ran. Actually, when you look, looked at it from the beach, it was amazing, it was really good, but they haven't done that lately, I don't think. But yeah. then I guess you've got the Big Air Kite League that's doing an event there, so you can kind of fall into that. Yeah, but definitely, like, if they don't wake up this year, then, I don't know, man, like, what's what's going on, like? Yeah, they need to sort it out. <laughs> it's not now, it's never, I think, like, because, <laughs> come on, like... <laughs> Needs to happen. So, there's other big news at the moment, we're not not at the moment, it was a little while back, but you've recently just signed for Cabrina after quite a long time with the Duotone team. How did that come about? And, you know, you always talk about riders changing sponsors and for anyone listening doesn't really know much about it, the general unwritten rule is that, you know, you get a sponsor, you're sort of fairly loyal to them for as long as you can possibly be and then if an opportunity comes along that's too good to miss, then, yeah, of course, you're going to go and, and jump ship. If you're jumping ship every year, then you get a bit of a word as to why would you sponsor them because they're probably just going to disappear off next year. So you have to play it quite carefully about sponsorship changes and things like that. And for someone who's been in the industry as long as you have and, you know, had some really long-lasting relationships, that must have been quite a big decision to make a change. So how did it come about and how did you feel about it, I guess? Yeah, definitely. I had some fantastic years with Duotone and I'll be always very grateful for that. Um, They do feel they'll always have a special place in my heart, Duotone will. And, yeah, so, I mean, I've known, like, James and Dave from Cabrina for, like, forever. Basically, James was... Um, he he grew up in almost the same city as me and yeah. I, I met them both back in the early days um, so I've always had like knew the guys pretty well and um, yeah I got to know Ken in Tarifa um, and it just I really feel like it was for sure it was like a hard decision but when I got to know like Ken on a more personal level and some of the other guys and it was just really felt like this massively family orientated vibe at Cabrina and they want to have more of a, a smaller kind of elite team and because um, obviously like the Duotone team was massive it's like huge, it was huge right? um, and you know it was great to be part of you know such a strong team but there's also advantages of being with the with the smaller team as well um so yeah just was kind of getting like talking with the guys and they just were so passionate about having me on the team and that's also pretty special like um it's not every day like somebody you know a brand reaches out to you and just really feels like you'd be a good fit with the team um and of course like i tried the gear and i I thought it was really great as well um so so yeah it was it was a hard decision but I, i feel like i've made the right decision and um, now we're here at the, the dealer meeting in, in Mexico and everyone's great hey they're just and they just really want to make sure you're having the best time and you're being looked after and really like taking on any feedback I have about the equipment or anything and um, so that's that's pretty special and um, yeah I'm excited now like the the Cabrera team has got some some new members There's some really big names mm. in there right it's quite, it seems like quite an exciting team to be part of. Looking yeah. at your name up there is the big air team with, you know, Lorenzo and Leonardo and Stino and a few of the others. It's like, yeah, quite an exciting time to be part of something. Yeah, and it's, it's super cool. And I think we've got a really, like, solid team now. And it's like, this is going to, yeah, this is going to be powerful. Good and fun. I think it's, um, yeah, I'm excited for what's to come. And obviously part of that, I was going to ask you about equipment, but we can probably talk about the Nitro a little bit at the moment. That's their new big air kite, right? Which I presume is, you know, your go-to for when you're riding in windy conditions in Cape Town. Yeah, definitely in the small sizes. Um, I, I mean, I think I'm going to have a bit of a mixed quiver because I'm pretty stoked on all the models. But <laughs> for like, for, you know, for like big air, I'm definitely having the the nitro in like you know seven eight nine. I think this is going to be my go-to. Like I've just been in Cape Town now um, and had a lot of fun riding the nitro, and it's um, yeah that's that's been great to get used to in Cape Town. I've been loving that for the big air. Um, and then what else have you got in your quiver? Yeah, so then I've got um, some Moto X's, which have been 
like kind of this kite's been completely rede redesigned for this year and that's just like a super fun playful kite dead light dead removable and yeah that's great for kind of all-round riding which i love doing um but now i'm also like ah i also like the switchblade as well so i'm just trying to I'm, i might be having multiple quivers here like it's uh putting a big yeah. order in when the so time i think uh, if there's no kites left or available it's because i may have like been keep <laughs> expanding my order hannah's got them all yeah sorry you'll have to come and uh, take one of me and then what boards are you riding i'm riding um well the the x cal and also the exo and um, so the the carbon one from the Carl and the the girls exo and i was like it's been quite some years since i've ridden a girls board but um it started out with i was kind of riding it um you know they wanted some pictures on it and now i'm like damn this board is good like it's super light and uh, i feel like it has a really good edge like i can get a really solid takeoff every time so I think my favorite board is actually this this scales board now. I love it for like, because it's so light, I can just take the board off my feet, do loads of flips and spins with it, the board, put it back on, it's like, boom. Nice and um, easy. Yeah, I'm really enjoying that one. So that and the, the X-Cal Carbon one is, um, is are my go-tos. Yeah, and what are you foiling on? I'm foiling on, um, I've got the, the code and, ah, aspect or medium aspect that's my question <laughs> I think it's uh, yeah medium aspect I'm not that like a, it's, that, in, it's, it's, it's interesting so I've like we all know like kite foiling started as racing right and yeah. it was like swords and taroa and they had these super high aspect wings mm. and they were hideous to ride and to learn on and it was just really difficult and then I think it was um, Liquid Force at the time came out with their first, you know, really, really low aspect foil for learning on. And it was like, oh, that's way easier. And then gradually the sports kind of evolved and changed. But most kite foil gear seems to be medium aspect. And that's what's easy and it's fun and it's nice to ride. And mm. then because of winging and because of the drive for these super high aspect foils for pump foiling and stuff like that, it seems like that's what they've got. And I was out on there. Um, is it 1050 high aspect yesterday and it was you know it was lovely to kite on great but it was hard you know it's not an easy yeah. thing to kind and I was just riding around going why have we gone backwards almost into doing it but it feels like they've only got those they've got those products to fulfill that need of that sport which is the pump surfing and the foil surfing and the winging where they're looking for the more high aspect stuff but actually kiting it feels like you know medium aspects a lot more forgiving unless you're racing of course yeah which most of us aren't so. yeah and for me for sure it's like um I'm not foiling that often, um, so yeah, definitely it's better for the, the medium aspect. Yeah, something um, that's a bit user-friendly. Yeah, friendly and good kind of for everything, and yeah, I'm enjoying that. Easy to ride. It's mm -hmm. quite interesting how, how the sports change. I do wonder whether even in winging and surf foiling, they'll come back to something that's a bit more medium aspect, mm -hmm. and it's just like this sort of, you always strive for the pinnacle of performance. And then you realise that actually that's really not very user friendly and very difficult for most of the population who are going to buy it to get on with. And then it seems to come back a little bit. A bit like kiting, that was super high aspect kites in the early days because yeah. they jumped higher. And then now we seem to have settled on actually something that just works is a bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. So you're really liking the new gear, which is positive. Have you had a go with the new bar that they're launching? That yes, I have. And I'm very impressed with the new bar. I think the system is, is spot on, to be honest. Um, like I've been riding it for the last month, the new bar, and it's just just untwists itself with ease. So you never, doesn't matter how many spins you go into or whatever, like the bar will, you know, it just always automatically unspins and it's super nice. Um, so yeah, That's I'm good. really enjoying it. So pivoting away from kiting a little bit, because I always like talking about these, well, maybe it's still, it's still quite related, but, um, you know, you're obviously not competing as much anymore, but you're probably known, um, or a lot of people will know you for your social media and, you know, that that's how they know of Hannah Whiteley. I think last time I looked, you are well over 100,000 followers on Instagram. What's the latest number on that? Uh, yeah, like, um, for <laughs> sure, like, this, the social media is a huge, like, part of my work now. Um, and it's, it's crazy how much you know, things can blow up on there. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, close to 200K. Bloody now, hell, so. so I just haven't looked for a while. <laughs> yeah, but it's, um, 
that's and that's the thing and doing these kind of funky free ride trips tricks and big air it reaches the, the mainstream like of, yeah. of people it's no longer just um uh so yeah no i had um a, you know i've been like now i've been pushing youtube pretty hard and that's that's yeah. grown we spoke about that just mm-hmm. before you're on what you're on like 2.6k in the summer or something and then you started working on it and it's yeah. gone yeah no it's crazy it's been massive and it's quite i think that's the hardest channel to grow but now it's almost you know it's i think it's like forty-eight thousand followers or something or subscribers even. yeah 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 it's hard <laughs> but, to get them all right yeah was that something you always planned to do or did that just happen by accident in I, terms of you know building a social media audience because obviously you can monetize that as a way of you know making a living so was that always in the back of your mind or did well, it just sort of happen organically yeah like to be honest um it's quite funny actually because really i'm not like i love social media but i also like sometimes i'm really a victim of it and i really want to like oh, like I, I want it to step away from it a bit but it's um like i know i'm quite i think like i understand social media pretty well now and what's going to do good and what's not and um but now with like youtube i just kind of thought like hmm like you know definitely with the like if i can work on that as well and that maybe can work for me with the monetization stuff and i'm like if i'm doing it on all instagram tiktok facebook then like uh yeah just started doing the youtube and i also kind of wanted to give people a bit more of a little bit more of a personal insight um to to just to to my life to the people i meet to this kind of kite world um you get a bit more time with youtube don't you yeah like you invest you know uh-huh. 10 minutes into a video or something rather so than a 10 second tiktok clip yeah it's just it's different like different kind of content but i am finding it like it's exhausting like that's true because it's like it's gonna another... be my next question like it must be that's quite a lot of management that's a full-time job almost it, it, it is like because uh, it's now it's like and the tiktok's been going super well as well and that but it's all like slightly different content you need for every channel um but and i spent i've been working like a lot with um andy troy from holland on the the youtube stuff and but it's so much of a teamwork like we really have to go through the vlogs and you know i say okay maybe it's slightly different like this and that and i think i'm quite like uh i really want to make sure things are at a certain standard as well that i put out so i really put a lot of time into it and it has but um it's like i've learned a lot like i've learned so much from doing these vlogs and now i'm like oh well i could in the beginning i was feeling a little bit like i mean i'm so used to being around cameras but even still this was on a way more of a personal level and i'm like i was even a bit more kind of a little bit camera shy and now i feel like oh, i don't mind like i think it could be way more personal and even less kite action and more just this insider that i don't really show um yeah. So I want to go more down that route of just being really showing this kind of personal side and um, yeah, really showing these these adventures, these adventures in life that we we yeah. have, you know. And um, so yeah, it's quite an interesting side to the kiteboarding industry, I suppose. And sometimes it gets a fair bit of flack because some people you know are always like oh especially with the ladies who are often wearing skimpy bikinis and then getting lots and lots of likes on their videos and then you get the guys moaning that you know it's not fair because they don't get the same kind of engagement and stuff how much do you think you know for young girls coming into the sport you know what is there a boundary at like right you can show this you can't show this or do you think about that stuff or you just like well i'm wearing that anyway so i'm sticking it on social media I, I, to be honest, I feel like if I'm from Brazil, I'm for sure going to be wearing a bikini. And if yep. I'm in the UK, I am going to be wearing most likely suit. wearing the thickest wetsuit <laughs> you can get. Like, um, and it's also, and also, like, I believe as well, like, I mean, growing up, actually, I was super self-conscious of my body. I used to hate having an ass and I hate used to having boobs. And I used to always wear baggy <laughs> clothes. And then I just was like, I was like, ah, screw this. You know, I'm so happy with what my body's able to to do as an athlete and, yeah and more of like this is like i don't know like i'm just you know i've built up a lot of strength as well doing stuff like it's mostly as well it all started with my strength stuff with laboring for my dad doing building works but i was carrying around huge wheelbarrows of, of cement and stuff like that carrying bricks up ladders and that got me super strong which was great for kite surfing and and um, now i feel like 
I'm not like, if I want to wear a bikini as a shot that shows like, for example, my ass, then so what is, that's my ass and I shouldn't be, I don't think anybody should be ashamed of their body, but I also believe you should be showing the, the skills you've got that's even more important and what you're wearing is what you're wearing kind of thing. And if you choose to look at um, the, the body parts, that's okay, but also don't take it away from the, the skill that's being done as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, like um, yeah, like girls, girls can do both. You can look a certain way, but you can for sure ride a certain way. Um, I think there was a period in kiting when a lot of the I think it was Andre Philippe put a video out on YouTube, and the thumbnail was just a girl's ass, for want of a better word, and it had nothing to do with the video whatsoever. But he got like hundreds of thousands of views because it was at a time when the algorithm was easier to fool. So everyone's clicking on this girl's bum, thinking that's what they're going to see in the video. And I think being Andre Philippe, there probably were a few women frolicking around on the beach or something like that. And I remember this, because we, we were guilty of it right at the beginning. It was like, oh, if we put a, a female thumbnail on, it gets more clicks for our magazine and stuff like that. And then we sort of realized that actually, is this a direction that we want to go where you're just going after like this cheap shot thing? And so we came up with the, the rule, which not a lot of people know about our magazines, but it sounds very similar to what you just said there, where it was like, a girl can wear whatever she wants to wear because, you know, if she's in Brazil, she's going to be wearing a bikini. If she's kiting and doing cool action, then that is something that we want to promote because we want to promote girls getting into the sport and doing action and stuff like that. But if it's, for want of a better word, Tom Court putting a bum in his video and he might listen to this and laugh at me, and I'm sure he will, but just for the sake of it to get hit, that's not something we'll promote. And we actually took an active stance that we stopped sharing those videos, just would not share them. And it was really bad for us because we wanted hits and we could have easily got cheap shot hits with those videos. And there's a few riders that still do it. Um, I think Chris Bobrick's a good one. He's always terrible at it. But yeah, so it's interesting to hear you say about, you know, if if it's about the skill and the trick that's going on, because we kind of had that similar vibe with it. Yeah, you can wear what you want, but, you know, are you kiting? Are you doing something that's adding to the video or are you just fluff? I seem to remember there was one really bad video that girls were just squirting milk all over a slide or something. Oh it was just like, this is awful. Whoever dreamt up yeah. this idea might be Tom Court. I don't know, but it was a pretty bad one. And it was just like, it's not a good direction for like young girls to come into the sport and think your place is just to be frolicking on the beach and not doing it. It should yeah. be your place is kite surfing and you need Definitely. to be doing Definitely, like our place is thrown down. Like we can do some sick stuff and it's like, like girl boy whatever it's like uh it's just there's like now there's so many girls that have so much talent like it's unreal yeah, and like we'll give the guys now. a run for the money so yeah, yeah. if we want to do that in a bikini or we want to do that in board shorts or a wetsuit then matter? like to be honest it's just like every you know everyone can, i believe everyone can wear what they want but yeah for sure it's a different game if you're just like making a video just like just to say if i was just gonna only film my ass and no action then that looks a bit weird i think yeah. like uh do you ever get any you know negative stuff on social media about like body shaming and stuff like that and any sort of because it can be quite a toxic place at times yeah, and people like, feel safe behind a keyboard and they might you know I don't know, maybe it hasn't happened, maybe it yeah, has. Yeah, well, for sure there'll be, uh, from time to time, like, um, you know, some comment, negative comments, but I feel like, you know, the more people you reach, you just, you can't be everybody's cup of tea, and that's that's totally fine. I think, you know, I'm very grateful to have quite a, you know, a positive audience, and, you know, it's, um, the, the most negative thing was actually, like, when we did the... Um, like back when I had a cover shot with you in COVID times and then it was yeah. reaching because but that reached a lot of people that was mental so I did not expect that to blow up the yeah. way it did like the girls so to give the, anyone listening a bit of background it was locked down you couldn't go kiting anywhere Hannah being the consummate professional that she is rigged up this indoor shoot that she could do in COVID she couldn't travel anywhere anything like that and these indoor shoots have been done over the years. And as an editor, I've seen them all. I've seen all the photos. And I remember Crystal and Jen, I think it was, have been speaking to you. And, you know, back on the female thing, we employ way more women in our business than we do men because I think girls are just better at things than men. And they're far more efficient and they get stuff done. So the girls came to me with this cover shot, which was from the shoot that you had done. And Hannah's basically like doing this pretty impressive move, but in a static position indoors. But the, the photo, and I'll add a link to it on this podcast, was the best one I'd ever seen. Like the best indoor 
photo of someone kiting and massive brands have done it like duotone have you know done really expensive shoots and you've just gone off and done it yourself it looked amazing the girls have presented it to me and said this is epic and i was like yeah that's epic and i did not think we would get a backlash at all and then what yeah happened? it was it was funny i think people just like believed there was a whole story behind it as well i think some people were missing the kind of missing that a bit like i was kind of it was about being locked down and i was just sick of trip after trip being cancelled and just feeling so restless and not able to to do this kind of these perfect shoots are planned so i was like screw it i'm gonna make the perfect shoot happen right here like right now and what well, it will always be a special shoot for me because having my family involved my dad helped me rig up that whole system i had my my brother brother with a leaf blower like someone else with like spraying water and and uh, I tell you what, like it was more difficult holding, being suspended from that ceiling like a bloody yo-yo, and <laughs> holding these these grubs that it was on the water. Like it, my God, my abs! I felt like I'd done like the most killer ab workout of my life. Like just for a few seconds, I could only hold each kind of grab for a few seconds, and that was like literally it was insane. Um, and um, but yeah, like there was for sure some people like ah uh, like had a reaction because it it kind of like blew up a bit on social media these pictures and um then people were saying like oh it's kind of you know it's not real it's fake and that was obviously it's obviously uh, yeah i was never never trying to say it was real and i think that was i was doing the whole behind the scenes story about it so but i think and that's it like the more people you reach like the more some people are going to disagree with with it and like don't ever let let yourself not do what you want because of people maybe disagreeing with you or whatever like you know what i mean like if you're reaching a lot of people you're doing something right and it, the main thing is if you're you know the people around you that are like know you and like support you like your for example your sponsors like you as a magazine and um this is what is, was important and if that's received well from these kind of people then that's all that matters and as long as you believe in what you're doing yourself then like you yeah. know it's, it's it was crazy like i could not believe like i remember the girls just going oh Rue, this has gone really badly wrong and i was like what and they went read the social media comments and i was like what are people getting their knickers in a twist about like yeah. seriously like what is what is the problem like this is really bad and it wasn't just you know it was it was guys having a real go so some of the guys were like oh you know you could have given that cover to a guy doing a low mode whatever it is or the latest trick and that's really bad that you've given it to hannah and then it was even women just like really being quite toxic in their responses to it and i was just i just don't even know where to start with this so it was like right dive in start replying and start you know explaining it did you read the backstory did you really comprehend what was going on around the shoot and why it's a good shot to run at this time when no one can go anywhere. I mean, we couldn't get images. It was a nightmare to try and publish a magazine because no one was traveling and no one was doing anything and no photo shoots were happening. So yeah, it was really surprising. Yeah, no, definitely. But, and also what you have to remember as well is like one negative comment stands out more than a hundred positive ones. And there was so many positive ones as well. And people that did think it was fantastic and, um but it's just like these negative ones always stand out so i think like what we have to like remember is you know naturally you're always drawn to respond to the negative comments yeah um but first before you like respond to the negative comment you should respond to all the positive ones the people that deserve to be responded to first so i think sometimes i'm feeling like "Mm," like that's annoying me but then i I deliberately probably won't reply to it unless I've replied to all of the the, the nice comments and the the people that want to you know be part of whatever and share the stoke and that's nice and that's um, yeah how I kind of think about negative comments and yeah it's just a lot of people's it. comments often say a lot more about themselves than what they're trying to say if you know what I mean um, yeah so they're so, angry yeah. and jealous and stuck indoors and can't go anywhere because it's COVID. I mean, I don't know if the response was because it was COVID, everyone was sat on the internet and it gave them something to argue yeah, about or people, something. People just love a bit of a, just, just yeah, a discussion, don't they? They love yeah. it, like getting deep in. And that's Get my like, point across and sit there being a keyboard warrior shouting about it and stuff. But it's interesting that, you know, you said right at the beginning of this section, I guess, is that you were body conscious. So to then, you know, 
become accepting of your body and put yourself out there in the manner that you have it must be even harder when you do get those negative comments to kind of rise above it do you sort of have a mantra that you say to yourself or is there sort of a way that you kind of deal with it when it does happen or have you just grown as a person where you're like no nah, I'm not bothered about that and I'm happy with my body and screw them yeah to be, to be honest I'm, I'm I'm pretty like solid in my mind um so if somebody says something or anything it's not very often to be honest and it's like it's okay like, yeah I you know everybody's entitled to their own opinion and who am I to say what's right or wrong kind of thing um but yeah, I'm just kind of doing me and I hope everybody does them too. And yeah. that's that's all you can do, right? So and it's it's okay if I'm not, somebody, somebody doesn't like me or anything, then I that's that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> well, you said it right at the beginning, like, you know, you don't have to be everyone's cup of tea. And I remember when I started in the magazine business, um, the publisher I was working for at the time, he was a bit of a knobhead, for want of a better word. But the one good lesson I learned from him is he said, you will not please everyone all the time. But if you can please most of the people, most of the time, you're doing something right. And it doesn't matter how good something is that you do, someone will always say it's rubbish and tear you down and be really rude about it. But as long as most of the people like it, then you're doing something right, which yeah. I think, you know. A hundred percent, you know, and it's like, um, yeah, I mean, you've been doing fantastic work with, with the magazine for uh, so many years now. And yeah, for sure, there'll be something that maybe gets people talking or whatever but it's not necessarily a bad thing like no, um... no it's not I remember the, do you know the funniest one we did which is a real tangent now and funny I might even get death threats again but um, <laughs> we uh, basically I had people threatening to kill me in Australia if I ever travelled there and it was because Aaron Hadlow had just retired from the world championships after his fifth title or something so he didn't do it for one year and oh, this is going to be really bad although also a comment on who it was but whoever won the next year was this Aussie guy and I should know his name but I can't remember his name and I wrote an article about his championship going it was really good he did really well but I guess you can only beat the people in front of you and was he a better rider than Aaron Hadlow and of course he wasn't a better rider than Aaron but Aaron Hadlow wasn't there so he won but these Aussies really took offence to it and just really really like had a go and I think I'd asked to do an interview with him and he'd refused and then Aaron had done an interview so we, we sort of maybe a bit tongue in cheek called it like Aaron Hadlow syndrome or something it was the fear of <laughs> having Aaron in your heat or something like that but yeah it just went backfired in a way that I could not have expected but I was just oh well you know the next it's always like two months and other magazines out everyone's forgotten about it you don't have to worry about it yeah yeah no that, that sounds pretty uh, it was hectic. pretty full on I was like I probably shouldn't go to Australia for a while and I'm like well how the hell are they going to know I'm arriving in Australia like, unless they weren't for immigration they're not going to have a clue yeah but people always talk, talk the talk and nobody's walking the walk anyway no um, and normally if you go and have a beer with these people they'll be fine about it anyway yeah. just keep just you know people say exactly and i think that's the thing like like if you're always so worried about what everybody thinks about you or whatever you'd never get anywhere like and you have to like man i'm constantly making a fool out of myself i feel like but um that is one thing yeah. i would say about you is you, you I mean, you've said this to me a few times like you like you know you don't take yourself too seriously you don't mind being the stupid person in the room that's running around doing something ridiculous or whatever it might be and i think that's quite a nice quality to have that you know not taking yourself too seriously and just enjoying yourself and yeah enjoying your life. well i mean i try to i feel like life is short and yeah sometimes for sure i'm serious sometimes but it's not, for, <laughs> not very long and <laughs> uh, the silly side comes out yeah and the thing is like, i think especially like now I think I've learned as well like you just you know it's like you maybe you mess up or make mistakes or whatever but people aren't going to think about that for, for years later they think about it oh maybe it'll be the everyone will be gossiping about gossiping about it maybe for that day but you know already by like the next day people have forgot like they're on to the next thing like so don't ever hold yourself back from doing whatever you're doing and failing and whatever because yeah, like the people are always going to talk whether you're doing good or bad or whatever, but like, uh, yeah, just crack on with it. Yeah, crack on. <laughs> Do you have, um, like, that we talked about it a little bit, that social media following, managing that and looking after that, like the amount of comments you must get on posts and the amount of people contacting you and people asking you to do promotions for them and all this kind of stuff do you have anyone helping you manage that or is it just you on your own dealing with it all 
it, it is me on my own um, and I feel like I do quite like managing it myself like sometimes I feel like if I had the right manager it would be really good um, because now a lot of like out of the industry brands have um, reached me like they've seen whether it's on TikTok or Instagram or whatever and they want me to kind of promote whatever they've got um, and of course like I really only want to work with brands that I feel like you know connect with what I'm doing and I'm passionate about as well um, but yeah and it's it's so full-on with this stuff like really you have to um, you know have a whole concept and you know send this concept to them and and you know it's so much back and forth and you even have to have like your caption approved for the social media post and it's at set times and the set like you know they'll maybe be like okay we want you to make like two reels and so many different stories on this day and this day and it's um yeah like sometimes they want it you to can change it completely so you have to reshoot it all again so you can do it all and they just go nah we don't want that yeah do sometimes it it's for sure it's like oh no we don't like normally i try to you know have you know tell them kind of my idea first and so then it's like i can't really go wrong with it because it's like i've put a lot of thought in it i've planned it all so um but yeah that's been going really good to be honest and that's also like a a good part of my income it must keep me really doing, busy doing like, it yeah and it is and it is like um it's like a full-time job almost. yeah it is but they've all been like the brands i've been working over all brands that have kind of found me from social media and contacted me but i feel like if i did have a manager then they could be more actively getting you, know, you out there yeah um, and you work with some brands again so like you can build a relationship with brand X say and then yes. they come back to you again and then you can like you're then getting more revenue from it and it kind of helps your income stream yeah definitely like, there's definitely some brands that are wanting to some brands are just like one off things because they've got this kind of campaign which is okay they want to do like a kind of branch out into the water spots for this special campaign and then but definitely I've had some like reoccurring ones which is good Um so yeah it's really like i feel like yes i'm an athlete but it's really like i'm working in marketing yeah um to be honest yeah well it's marketing yourself essentially isn't it yeah so yeah i basically i am the kind of product the lifestyle girl promoting the lifestyle whatever product or something um it's quite a different role from being a pro kiter which you never really even knew you were going to be so. yeah I, I know and i never thought i would be you know promoting this or being a team rider for cabrina and dekine and yeah no it's just, and it's actually funny enough like my first ever harness i ever had was a dekine harness and now i'm uh, actually a team rider for dekine so it feels like it's definitely made a, a full a circle, full circle yeah and that's um nice but i'm honestly like i'm i'm so grateful like i never kind of visioned this life um but yeah every day i have to think and like for sure i really try and push myself and work hard what i'm doing and sometimes it's super exhausting um but i'm just you know so grateful to be doing what i'm doing meeting so many lovely people yourself and like right now everybody here at the dealer meeting and just all over like if you can just meet if i can meet some of these people that are following me or whatever and like you know been supporting me for many years online and stuff then it's special and yeah i think um kite surfing has we have such a great community spirit sometimes maybe there's some riff like talking online or whatever but in general like man we have a strong community and like you know it's that that is special and it's like you know you're at the beach and we're instantly kind of like we've got all the same passion and it's like if you want to launch a kite everyone will always have if you're in trouble somebody will help somebody's got your back you know and you might have never met that person but uh, there's always i feel like there's always somebody out there looking looking out for you and that's that's nice yeah um, i think that's yeah the kiting community it was always when i started i never i could never forget how much of an impact it made that you went down the beach and you talked to everyone mainly because you were fishing for a launch but also because you were fishing for some tips because you didn't know what you were doing and it was early 2000s and no one knew what they were doing and compared to windsurfing you know i used to go windsurfing i had my windsurfing mates but you didn't just talk to random strangers on the beach and then with kiting it feels like you know people are a lot more open to chat and to talk and like you say if something happens generally someone will appear out of nowhere and get your board for you or help you back to the beach or something like that it's quite lucky to be in a sport with that 
community vibe to mm-hmm. it because I feel Definitely. like sports aren't yeah 100% like for example surfing it's like oh should you Ooh, go yeah. to a spot you're not a local <laughs> at sometimes you can be in a bit of a trouble there and stuff and it's yeah the opposite with kite surfing and yeah I think that's something quite beautiful really yeah it's good we're quite lucky aren't we do you think um you know what the the future holds are you going to carry on with the social media stuff and like riding at the level that you're at or have you got any ideas for anything different i know you've often sort of done some quite big video projects and things like that have you got anything in the pipeline yeah definitely i want to you know keep pushing the social media side and that and do some cool projects go to some different places that have not been before that would be like definitely that's the direction i want to go and just do some ah, just you know like this the the world's a flipping big place and there's so many places that have never been kite surfed before and that and we all kind of generally go to pretty much the same spots over and over again but there's yeah we want to kind of venture out into where we where we haven't been really yeah and explore mm. places because there's always it's the same sort of tour isn't it it's like south africa in the winter yeah brazil in like autumn time and then mm-hmm. europe in the summer 100 <laughs> percent. but because it's like so like you know like cape town's always a good time like i kind of can't feel like i almost don't want to miss that but i would definitely like squeezing some different adventures as well and i think that's yeah just a bit of spice of life as well like just mixing it up yeah doing, going somewhere different maybe it works maybe it doesn't but yeah you got to try right you got to risk it for the biscuit and um, i've always had you down so i've got this funny list of kite boarders who i often get asked oh you know who do you think we should get on the team or who, who's like hot to trot or whatever and we can always see from when we post anything from certain riders whether it gets loads of traction or whether it doesn't and i sort of call them like the most influential kiters that i know you've been on that list for a long time as probably the only female that i would say that when we post a video it's like hannah whiteley's doing a video it always seems to blow up aaron hadlow's been on there ruben lentz has been on there sort of people like that and when you look at you know how big your social media following is as well you're probably one of the you know the most prolific kiteboarders in the industry what would you say to anyone that's listening to this that's like, you know, a young girl who's like just getting into kiting? Is that something they can emulate or do you think that ship sailed or what sort of qualities would they need to sort of, you know, work on to sort of perhaps follow in your footsteps? Well, I definitely feel like there's, a, there's, there's room for many more to follow in my footsteps. And I think if you're passionate enough about something and you're willing to, you know, to work that bit harder than like, you know, just give it that extra mile um then then you can for sure you can achieve like what i've done or more do you know what i mean there's um like um i think and the thing is just to try and if you get out riding at every opportunity you have you know that definitely like i mean i was brought up in south manchester so that wasn't like that was like an hour and 20 minutes away from the beach so i think naturally when i was at the beach i always want to kind of wanted to maximize my time on the water and really push myself i had already like a few tricks i knew i wanted to try when i was riding but yeah so you're pushing your level is one thing and but also it's you know building up your like social media is massively important um we've got like great tools nowadays like for reaching everywhere in the world um you know and when i started it was less about social media but it was you know i got my name i started it with the doing the competitions and i think this is a great way to start getting you know building up your name and like so the social media side like it can sometimes be like we feel like it's not growing or being super slow but do not be like deteriorated by this like it just like good things take time and if you're constantly putting good content out there and um you know just trying to think out the box a, a little bit like at some point it it will get picked up and it will will blow up you just have to be patient like i remembered like kind of before covid time i was just kind of just my social media really felt like it was plateauing and i really had this love hate with with it, with it, with it all like i kind of i knew the importance of it but i also I'm very, I'm very much somebody that loves to be in the kind of moment and like not be distracted online. Uh, but yeah, I just kind of, yeah, then kind of realise actually this is a powerful tool. We can reach a lot of people here. Um, and then yeah, like eventually, like I had a few things that blew up and then it kind of snowboarded from there. 
Um, so yeah, just you just got to be all rounded really. And the main thing is just like yeah, for sure it helps if you've got natural talent. But the the biggest thing is being determined. If you're determined and but also to work as well on your weak points like everybody always works on the strongest things or whatever but you have to work on like so maybe your weak point is when you're doing a photo shoot for like it's one thing free riding and another thing understanding where the photographer is and how it this like basic tricks suddenly look can look very good on pictures where you've got to be the right angle and this like there's a lot of aspects um but yeah just giving it your all and definitely if you're wanting to try and like to be a professional rider then yeah you should do it and but not like also I think I had kind of something else going on in the background like I was learning you know thought I was gonna I was doing an apprenticeship in painting and decorating and that and it is good to have other things in the background so um as well so you don't put that huge pressure on yourself if it doesn't work out then you can it's more sustainable then I guess like yeah yeah, I guess that's an important thing, right? Because so many people, especially since Aaron Hadlow being so young, when he did so much, so many people are just like, that's what I'm going to do. And then parents are taking him out of school and just throwing him down a kite surfing route. And you're like, well, it's, it's not that many people that make it in the end. So it can be quite a dangerous thing. And not having uh-huh. a backup plan is a, a big risk, right? Yeah, because it is hard. There's not that many kite surfers that are making a proper living out of it um yeah you do really not many at all no so and that's what you do have to yeah like it's for sure it's difficult um in the beginning but if you've yeah if you kind of tick in all the boxes then i don't see why it can't work but i would also it's definitely not a bad thing to have something else going on in the background you know you've always got that to fall back onto and like it's just great to have all the skills in other areas um, you sh- and you never know when that's going to cross over into kite surfing as well so um, well, like you say all the strength from helping your dad yeah no end with and being it, able to do handle passes and stuff and all those 100%. tricks that are super strength related yeah and like even like this kind of lockdown shoot being suspended by the ceiling like working with my dad like, like we had to build this whole kind of the system rig for it. yeah this rig for it so that came in handy as well so um yeah like um you know your creativity comes from lots of different avenues and things and sometimes if you don't like if you don't focus solely on one thing it's it kind of helps in a way because sometimes you burn out or whatever in that if you have something else to like have going as well like it almost gives you more motivation i feel like as well yeah so you're not just working on the one thing yeah. and just getting a bit sick of it because mm, I remember like in the there. freestyle as well and stuff like or even just like do, having different disciplines in kite surfing like because sometimes I'll be like back in the day when I was doing a lot of freestyle like oh, I'm really stuck I can't open up the next trick which then leads on to a whole new like kind of level um, and then I'll go and do some kind of big air stuff and then that would be good then I'll come back to the freestyle and be like ah oh, sweet now I've got this and yeah like so perfect all right well i think we've been chatting for how long is that that's not bad that's pretty much bang on an hour and 10 minutes i think um which is really good hannah i really enjoyed that i really enjoyed having a chat thanks for coming on and hopefully it won't be so long before we do another one yeah no thanks a lot for your time rue and thank you if you've listened to this part in the podcast then thanks for listening yeah hopefully we'll get to meet you one day too yeah we'll put um we'll put some links in so if you want to follow hannah on her social media that will be in there and we'll also put that link to that very contentious front cover which i thought was fantastic and is well worth having a look at anyway thanks very much for listening thanks hannah thank you and i'll see you on the water let's go let's go There we have it. I'm sure you'll agree. An interesting chat with Hannah. I really enjoyed that one. It's always good to catch up with her and hear what she's been up to and wishing her all the best of luck with the new Cabrina team. Anyway, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, give these a five-star rating wherever you can and we'll have some more episodes coming for you soon. You've been listening to me, Rue Chater and the Intriguing Beings podcast.